Ladies and gentlemen and Corner Kick fam, welcome back to the Corner Kick podcast. We have just witnessed England walk into the Stadio Olimpico in Rome and hand out a 4-0 demolition of Ukraine. And to break it all down with me, I am very, very excited to finally have this man on the pod. He is the composer of the lovely Corner Kick theme song and england and west bromwich albion super fan it is william billy hittel hello hello it is a pleasure to be here today and let me just say what a game that was <laughs> feeling very pumped up it was an amazing game i'm watching billy on the screen right now he's got his full england top on old he's school alan shearer old school retro england alan shearer kit on Looking very, very happy, looking radiant, following what has to be said, I think, Billy, was the performance I think we were all waiting for from this England team. hoping for, you know, as a a supporter of the team, it is too often where you you look for these games and then suddenly you find yourselves knocked out by Iceland. So, (laughs) you know, it feels a bit better this time around. Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll get into like the the more the minutia of the performance, but I think overall, I think throughout the tournament, like even though it started off very conservative, and I think there is portions of this game where you look at the starting eleven and you look at the way, particularly the first half went, and you think it's like once again England playing a very controlled conservative brand of soccer. However, the floodgates opened, and I think you have to say that it was the floodgates opened on the back of them being so assured and not complacent. And it was just like a really adult performance for me. Yeah, it, it seems a very strictly business. And I would, I would even say the floodgates opened in the Germany game, the, the second goal. When Harry Kane knocked that in, you knew that he was, he was scoring today. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's break this down. So Harry Kane goes through a beautiful pass from Sterling in the fourth minute. Fantastic pass. Are you thinking that's the game? Are you that no, confident? No. I At that point, I think we've bottled it, honestly. Because <laughs> you saw in that first half, it was we scored, and then it was almost like we, we just turned it down after that for the whole first half. I mean, uh, uh, Ukraine had a chance here and there where they where they almost got through. Pickford with a good save. Uh, I forget who, who shot, but it was on the left side. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I feel like the first goal came, and it was it was... The, I remember the commentators of the game were saying we've scored the most goals in the like the opening five minutes out of however many teams, but at the same time we've gone on to lose every single one of those games. So it's just you just know that there's that this like false confidence where it's like you know the players are feeling pretty good after a goal, but everyone in the country watching is just at that point now just extra nervous. I mean, you bring up the performance against Iceland in 2016, and that there's a lot of like similar players involved in this team. Obviously, you know the likes of Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, um, Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish are all sort of new to the fold. But I think as the game progressed and as you know the goals kept going in, I think we'll talk about Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, and Raheem Sterling in this game because I think they were probably the standouts from this game. Perhaps you know the, the last couple games. In the game against Germany as well. 
But do, do you get the sense that this is just like a more grown up version of the England national team? Like they're not as distracted by, you know, the outside chat, you know, the media. I think like the fans kind of saying, oh, we want Jack Grealish to start. We want Jaden Sancho to start. We want XYZ X player to start. Do you do you get the sense that this is like a way more kind of composed England yeah, team? It feels it feels a bit more professional. I feel like even on that note, talking about everyone, I mean, on Instagram, every comment I saw under any post about England is start Grealish, you know. But even after the game today, uh, fantastic result. Grealish, unfortunately, didn't get to see the field, even though I would have loved him to. But I saw immediately Southgate went up to him, gave him a big hug, and like it seemed like he was whispering in his ear a little. And I, I, I almost think that is Southgate saying, like, don't worry. Like, I don't know, the, the whole mentality feels more like a team now rather than individual players shining, which in the past has, you know, been England's downfall. Our, our golden generation, as, as some people have said, was just all these clicks within the team and, and, and it felt very divided. But I feel like this year, everyone's kind of on the same page. As you watch them play, there's a lot of chatting between the players. Like, so they'll, you know, give each other a hard time when they make a mistake, but then someone else will come by and pick him back up. Yeah, I think the def- like the moment that really symbolized that to me was, you know, Jordan Henderson hasn't played a whole lot in this tournament. You know, he's yeah, coming back yeah. from a really long layoff, uh, injury layoff at Liverpool, hasn't really played much since February. But then he gets his first ever England goal. And you can immediately see, like, the team just swarm around him, pick him up, celebrate with him, like, how much that meant to him and, like, his fellow England teammates, you know, after not really being involved all that much, like, on the actual you know, competitive pitch. I think that, I think that, like, that to me was like, oh, this is like a unified front. Yeah. It, it's like all the, all the players want to see each other succeed in a way. Mm. It's like they all, I feel like they all really know each other well this, this time around too. I've, I've been watching, I think it might be a case of them almost being forced to like stick so close together with all these COVID protocols and everything. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like the team has this unity that we haven't shown in the past and it is, honestly really exciting i think 4-0 great result in a quarter final i mean people have the one thing we haven't conceded yet in this tournament but the one thing is is we have all these attacking players can we score goals and i think today we proved that yes we can yeah i think really can capitalize off of mistakes as you saw in the germany game as you saw you know in the game against croatia and the czech republic as well i think in that vein, let's talk about Gareth Southgate and the way that he sets this team up. Because I think I remember talking to you after the Scotland game, the nil-nil at Wembley against Scotland. And you were pretty, yeah, you were pretty livid. You're pretty disappointed about the overall, you know, general conservative nature of the performance. Has your tune about the way Southgate has set this team up to just sort of completely control games from a defensive perspective and look to capitalize on the other team's mistakes. Do you think that is like the best way to set this team up going forward? Or would you still prefer to maybe see a little bit more of the handbrake being pulled down? Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Southgate really has won me over this Euros. At the start with the, as you were saying, the Scotland game, it was just like, it felt, it felt slow and it, and it was, everyone was laughing. Oh, the most exciting part was when John Stones passed it to Mings at the back and back and forth, this and that. But but I feel like now we're still doing that. It's very it's very apparent we're still defensively minded. We're trying to play out through the full backs. 
trying to just hold the ball and draw in the other teams. And today, I think I think that tactic almost really flourished how I think Southgate has been wanting it to. And and it's kind of given me a lot more faith in him that he hasn't, I mean, again, a minus against Germany, which was, I would say, even a, a tactical masterclass in a way of him just matching up with them and saying, let's just boss them. But apart from that game, I think what we saw today is really how Southgate wants this team to play, drawing teams in, not forcing anything and getting it out wide through the fullbacks. If, if there's no option, bring it back, swing it out to Walker, to Shaw, you know, and then and then let the, let the uh, wide players take someone on. I think that is the, the step that we didn't have before, honestly. I think defensively, we have been super sound and the tactic has been working at the back, but there's been a bit of a disconnect to the front the front four and I think Sancho in my opinion I, I know everyone's on the Saka Saka hype train I think <laughs> Sancho actually played really well it's apparent that he hasn't played a lot with this team but when he was willing to to take the ball and try and get past one to draw the other team out of position that is when the game opened up and those passing lanes became more apparent and that to me was was very promising I think it means we've kind of figured it out a little and i think we're gonna be scoring uh, more goals in the next two games you're absolutely right i think especially as you get farther along international tournaments you start to learn more and more about your squad and like what the ideal combinations are like who has good relationships with who i think you saw it at france and with france in 2018 like they i don't want to say that they like stumbled onto that fortune one with matuidi kind of patrolling on the left and we saw them kind of try and bring it back this tournament with Rabio, and it didn't exactly work in the way that they wanted it to. But I think you're kind of seeing Southgate really manage his players particularly well at the beginning of the tournament, at least from a defensive perspective. And then, like you said, like he's willing, like as that structure has built, that foundation has built more and more, he's bringing in the Bukayo Sakas. He's bringing in the Jack Grealish for 30 minutes against Germany to get an assist bringing in Jaden Sancho, like kind of from the cold in this game. And I think Sancho, the thing that was impressive to me was his relationship with Sterling on the flanks, the awareness that those two guys had to just keep on switching from right to left, keep on overlapping, keep on like making sure the Ukrainian kind of back five were constantly on their toes. And I think it really paid dividends for Harry Kane in the end. I mean, I agree with that, definitely. As soon as I saw... Uh, Sancho and Sterling switching it up I knew that they were even though we at points didn't have much attacking play going on even just seeing them try and change the way the front three were working rather than it's kind of been like in the first few games it was more Mount kind of switching a bit with Sterling and Sterling kind of coming in but this this was just very apparent no let's just switch sides of the field see if we can have a, a better chance, kind of keep these uh, centre-backs and, you know, Ukraine switch to a back four during the game. That was a, that was a rough injury, by the way. I, I, do, I do feel for Ukraine. But yeah, it, it's just, it definitely has just proven that the talent is there and results will come if they keep their heads about them and do what they do best. I mean, Sterling and Sancho are two of the like, most technically gifted players in Europe right now. I mean... There's a reason Manchester United just bought him up for so much money is because he has that ability to take players on. And I think the fact that he hasn't 
played that much. I, I don't think that's a discredit to his talent either. Like you were saying, I think Southgate knows when to use these players and how these players should play. I don't. I, I kind of like that he hasn't just been starting with the same eleven each game, because I feel like that w- he he looks at the teams we're playing and thinks what players will be most effective in matching up against that defense, and I think that is really important. Like I don't think Grealish would have had that much success today in the middle of the field. Honestly, I think the way Ukraine was set up, just dropping back. I think Grealish likes more of those one on ones, and Mount was a bit invisible, but he did play these like quick one two touch plays swing the ball out to the other side of the field even just passing it back to like Declan Rice or something that it's just class honestly I don't I don't know how else to explain it it was fantastic game it was made me really proud to support this team and I I felt really really happy about the result it was just like a very mature performance like the likes of which I'm not really used to seeing from England yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's I, like you said, like I'm used to them like conceding the silly, you know, long throw-in goal against Iceland or you know Phil Neville giving up the really crappy penalty or yeah. you know some catastrophe going wrong at the back yeah. like a Rob Green spilling it into his own net <laughs> against the US. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there's the sense of like I was not like I know you said like when they went one nil up that made you nervous, but I, when they went one nil up, I was like that's that's it, that's the game, like they're through to the semifinals. There's just something about like the composure and the assuredness that Southgate has brought to this team, and I think like you said, like these players have been playing together for so long now. Like there was a photo on like the England social media of like Jack Grealish and Ben oh, Chilwell. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, playing together in like the U21 Euros like five years ago. And then it's like they replicated the same photo like at this tournament. I feel like you're right. And that like these guys know each other, both as like professionals and as people. And Southgate is kind of manifesting that into like a feel-good atmosphere and also in the way that he kind of can use that as a way to move this team forward on the pitch. Yeah. And I, I think that goes, yeah, even though those like Chilwell and Grealish have not really linked up on the pitch so far this year, it was, but I think that goes in into the camp, you know, into how these players just like joke around, have a good time together. It feels very lighthearted in the England squad until they get on the pitch, which is something I really can respect. It's like they get those jitters out off the off the field, always joking around with one another. I've heard Saka is apparently the funniest man alive and all the England players have really kind of taken him under their wing a little. And that just makes me happy to hear because then you go out and see them play and it, it just seems... They almost are playing like how I would expect someone like Germany to play, like almost like a machine in a way. They know their job, and it is just a matter of no silly mistakes and getting it done. I mean, there's a reason we haven't conceded this whole Euros, and and you can talk about whatever teams we've played, this and that, but at the end of the day, we have not let in a goal, and we are now showing that we can put in our own goals. There's two players I want to talk about before we move on to the future of this tournament. Raheem Sterling, you know, this is a guy who I think gets put under some really unnecessary media scrutiny, fan scrutiny. Obviously, he's kind of one of the lightning rods in this England team when things go wrong. Lightning rods um, for, you know, plenty of reasons that we don't have to go into on this podcast. What's your what's your take on Sterling kind of being the, I guess, the MVP so far for this England team throughout this tournament? Well, I don't know. It's kind of what's your what's been your impression of him kind of shouldering all this burden? 
I, I, you know, I have to give them some respect, and I have to also admit, I'm, I'm guilty of, of, of being one of these people who are very, I'm almost overly critical of Sterling. I feel like I expect a lot from him, and, and in the first couple games, honestly, I felt like he looked a little bit lost on the field, um, despite being uh, the only player to score for us, you know. But, but he's, he's, I think he's really shut everyone up in a way. I mean, that pass he played to Kane today was beautiful. I thought it was offside when I was watching, uh, which, you know, had me a, a bit worried. But then as soon as the replay played, I was like, fantastic pass from Sterling. And it's just been, you, you got to feel He was winning the ball back high up the field. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's like, he's, he's just really flourished is how I would, is the word I would kind of settle on this tournament. And and he's he's really deserving, I think, to be the person in that front four that, starts consistently with Harry Kane you know like those two have started most games and it's like if I think all games honestly he's outshined Harry Kane in this tournament which is a difficult thing to do and and, and I really respect him he's just, he's just he got a fight in him and I feel like he really doesn't listen to the people who are trying to bring him down he's class and and, and he's he proved it today definitely um Hopefully he'll he'll prove it against Denmark and uh, and then hopefully against you know whoever it whoever may be. it may be Spain or Italy. We'll get onto that in a second. But I guess the the other player that you that you mentioned that I wanted to talk about is Harry Kane because I think he was coming under some heavy criticism in the group stage. I don't think his performances were super up to snuff. You could tell that he was kind of working through some fitness things as well. He looked like a totally different player in this game not only getting on the score sheet twice but also i think just his movement off the ball the way he was able to take players on just the way he was closing defenders down there's a lot of speculation obviously about harry kane whether or not he's going to make the move from spurs to city or whatever club you know comes in for him i think there's a lot of talk about his future this felt like the captain's performance to me today yeah i would agree because of everything that's going on in his life and in his career i feel like it was pretty, it showed that he was a bit distracted is how it kind of felt at the beginning of this tournament. And I, and I think he had that kind of weight on his shoulders of not scoring in the previous Euros. I don't know. It felt like he was just kind of super glued to the other side's back line in the first few games. But then he, he started tracking back more and, and fighting for these loose balls. And I think my thought, I, I mean, I said is when he scored against Germany, I said he's going to get a brace in the quarterfinals. And he did. Because it was is obvious what that that goal against Germany meant to him, and I think he went into this game with so much more confidence, like belief in himself and in his ability, and and it it showed. I mean, good finish, getting it over the keeper, had to kind of lift that one up, and then the header, you know, got away from his man. And I mean, he's he's automatic from you know a couple of yards out. So yeah, I mean, it was a classic. As classic of a Harry Kane performance as you're going to get. And he becomes the first Englishman since Gary Lineker to net a brace at the European Championships. So he's kind of making a little bit of history in that yeah. way. I guess let's move on to the semifinals because we know now that England are about to play Denmark at Wembley. So they return to England once again for the latter stage of this tournament. Denmark are, to me, and I think I mentioned this on our last episode, they have that team of destiny vibe to them. And I think you said something really interesting a few minutes ago when you said that England are kind of playing like the Germany of this tournament or like kind of how uh, 
uh, a favorite would be playing. Is there sort of like a an unusual factor to you of like being the favorite going into a semifinal against a team like Denmark that, you know, for the Christian Eriksen reasons and other reasons as well, is like the underdog, is the sort of story of the tournament, is kind of the team that I think a lot of the neutrals will want to do well. In a way, if Denmark managed to beat us, I wouldn't be upset if they won the final. The emotional baggage that they have kind of had to deal with this tournament and, and you know, God bless Christian Eriksen, the, the stuff that man has gone through and, and the country as a whole is is nothing short of incredible that they are in the semifinal. And, and to me, because of that and because of how hard they fight for every game and how much their heart is in this tournament, I, I know on paper England might be the favourites, but it, it, it doesn't feel like that in a way. I feel like the semifinal is going to be a good game and I think it's going to be hard for, for both teams and I think there's going to be a lot of respect there. You know, if England loses, obviously I'll be upset, but it will be fantastic to see Denmark Get to, I mean, get to the final. I mean, gosh, we're in, we're in the semi-final, and I feel like in this stage of the tournament too, who is favorited, who's the underdog? I don't think that matters that much, because you got you got you got ninety minutes, and it's like that's it. Semi-final will be done. And we've seen a a ton. I mean, like not a ton, but we've seen plenty of upsets at this tournament already. And to to say that, like, who's to say that Denmark couldn't spring one against England? And that definitely feels like a bit more of a banana peel than the Ukraine game. I think Ukraine came into this game, you could already see it in like the 23rd minute when there was a stoppage in play and they were already kind of like keeling over, sitting down. I think that's what the game against Sweden took a lot out of this. Uh, yeah, Ukraine. I mean, like they gave it their all in that game. You know, that was almost like, that was them showing off to the world what, what they've got going on. And when I went into this game today, it was the least nervous I've been for a knockout game in some time because in my mind you know it should have been strictly business and it was I mean we, but at the same time although Denmark isn't one of these massive European teams with all sorts of talent I mean they've they've unfortunately again lost their best player but it feels different it just it just does feel different and I think everything that Denmark has got, had to go through as a country it's just that almost in a way puts them on the same level as us even though the skill and talent might not be as even i mean and they've also had some truly outrageous offensive showings at this tournament too like even the goals that they scored today i think joachim mela is becoming like one of the the breakout stars of this tournament and you know they've become one of the first teams in europe in euro history to win two games back to back for nil results so i think they definitely even without christian erickson have shown that they do have the firepower to bring it to, I think, a top A or a, a class A team like England. But if they do make it past Denmark and they take it to the final against, in my opinion, Spain, <laughs> you wish, yeah. in, my, in my opinion, against Italy, uh-huh. that has to be the real test for England. That's a, right? that's a coin flip. Because I think, you know, Germany as historic a result that was for England, you know, finally getting over the hump of beating Germany 25 years on from Euro 96, 11 years on from the 2010 World Cup. I think we still have yet to see this England team play a tier one team, like in its entirety. And I think Italy are definitely a tier one 
yeah right now like on the balance of things and on form as well i mean i mean they really convincingly beat belgium who's ranked number one in the world so they've got to have something up their sleeves that's for sure so do you think england can match up against in italy yeah yeah i, I might be slightly biased there um, bring the bias i want i would bring it off but but yeah i i think they do with uh uh spinazola poor guy again you hate to see injuries i'll never i'll never celebrate an injury but we will you know take them as they come and as great as like chiellini and the back line has been for italy i i think they're too slow uh i think we've got too much technical talent coming down the wings with you know a world-class striker waiting in the penalty spot so it I think England can do it. My my more issue is that game is not us scoring. It's 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 almost like I wish we had conceded today in a way. I think mm. this not conceding in the whole tournament thing is going to put a lot of pressure on the team if we do concede. Cuz it's way more of a thing now. Yeah. And if we if we especially if we shut out Denmark, beat Denmark, you know, 1-0, 2-0, something like that. We go 1-0 down against Italy, 1-0 down against Spain. Uh we haven't had to deal with that yet. So my biggest concern in the semi-final final, especially the final, would be our backline. Although saying this, Pickford has been class. Stones and Maguire have really been playing well. Um, Walker has won me over definitely from how he was playing at the beginning of this tournament. Uh, he's the pace that man has is just like needed in the back line. He he's always going to be that guy who can sprint back and make that last second tackle you need. And then Shaw Shaw honestly has been my player of the tournament in a way. Mm. Fantastic. I, I love the way he gets up the field. I mean, he you know had a lot of pass backs today, but he delivered some good services i mean he was unbelievable today and you know it's i'm saying this you know i'm yeah, very yeah, you know yeah. very anti man united and even you know harry Maguire. you know a hundred percent he got himself a goal got himself a goal 100 percent aerial dual win rate today from him so he did everything he had to do i think he had the most passes into the middle of the field out of the back but luke shaw two assists today i think there's been you know a lot made recently of him having probably the best season of his career at Man United, redeeming himself from, I think, you know, maybe this is a bit harsh, but like the humiliation that he endured under Jose Mourinho and like how that, how his treatment under Mourinho kind of made him take a step back in his career and certainly in his confidence. And today, I think, you know, getting those two assists in the stadium that Mourinho is going to be managing in this season good. Yeah, in the man. Olympico, you know, off the back of his comments about, you know, the fact that he doesn't think about Mourinho and like he's kind of it's water under the bridge for him and it's made him a stronger person mentally. I think in a microcosm, like Luke Shaw embodies what this England team is all about. Yeah, definitely. I think that's why he's been my player of the tournament. He, I mean, he's he's had to deal with so much. And now he's it's again, it's like it's like they've almost put a wall up or something and they're just focused. It's 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 like they've done some like I don't know, retreat or something to the middle of the woods where the left all technology at home is how it feels. Like, I mean, they are they are just so focused. Is how like even talking about this, it, it blows my mind to see an England team that is just so focused. 
and and Shaw has just really proven himself as world class. Like, cause he, I think he is world class fullback, and it's like him, you know, like you said, getting two assists, the balls he's been playing into the box, finding these great aerial threats we have. He's been linking up really well with Sterling, been linking up with Mount quite well. He is my player of the tournament. I think he is really, I think he is really, like you said, represents how England has been playing and the kind of mentality we have going into these games. Well, there's only one more question to ask. Billy, is it coming home? Yes. Yes. 100%. (laughs) Let's go. If if, if you're a gambling man, put the house on England, winning it all. I swear to you. I swear to you. Well, you heard it here first. Who, I guess before we go, what what has impressed you about the Euros? What have you taken away? Has it been a good tournament for you? Uh, Yeah, it's been a good tournament. I'd like to see someone like, you know, I mean, Sheik had that good goal from 40 hertz out or something, but I would like to see someone score like ball down, banger kind of goal. I guess Pogba did, but I don't know. Yep. I want some more power, less finesse. Who? What's kind of been like your, you know, who've been kind of the players that you've been keeping your eye on, you know, aside from... Well, obviously the whole England starting 11, but uh, apart from that, the the uh, guy on Belgium uh, who, who filled in for Hazard, Doku yeah. is his name? Yep. Class. I don't know much about him. He's he's going to be a world-class talent in a few years. You ran around like kind of like a rugby player. He was like dropping the shoulder, like getting Ridiculous. into people. His like change of direction. He plays like a bit like Mbappe, but with more of like a Adama Traore kind of body. Yeah. That makes sense. No, it was wild. It, it was wild. I've never seen someone like be able to change the direction, like kind of in the way that he was so able to quick. do that. So quick. Yeah. What has been kind of your moment of the tournament? Moments, maybe, that have stood out uh, to you? 2-0, Germany. Lining up 3-4-3 three, three against them. Glorious. That was that was the happiest I've been the whole tournament. Also, obviously, Denmark's run so far, and with everything that happened to them. Again, like when when the whole Ericsson thing happened, man, it was... It was heartbreaking to to see. Like it was that was that was a player I really idolized when, he, especially when he played for Tottenham, and 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 it was just so shocking. And to see how they have bounced back from that, and and gone so far, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, we've got them next up, so the two storylines that I have really been following are about to collide, which is exciting. And either way, uh, let the best team win. I would say. Well, it could be coming home. It is what it is coming home. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy, this has been an absolute joy. This is a pleasure. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on the show, uh, especially if England make it to the final. Oh, yeah. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. You know, this has been the Corner Kick Podcast. I've been Nick Evin and coming to you with the composer of our lovely Corner Kick theme. We're going to play out on some of his music right now. Billy, we'll see you around. See you around.